Welcome back to the What's the Breakdown podcast. Join us for today's episode, Do I Need to Go to Church? Hey guys, it's Ben. Glad to be back with you all today. I hope that you're doing well. We are actually going to be getting into a topic today that has been on my mind for for quite a while now, and uh, I just want to kind of be forthright with you right out of the gate that, you know, growing up, when it came to when it comes to going to church, you know, growing up, I, I went to several different churches in my lifetime, several different styles, denominations, et cetera. And, you know, in the the, the church setting, as most of y'all are familiar with, I've, I've been bored. I've been scared. I've been confused. I've been excited. I've been enlightened, you know, and oftentimes encouraged. I've learned. I've had to relearn. I've unlearned. But, you know, as I've grown in the ministry, one thing I've begun to see is the huge importance of simply gathering together with other believers. You know, as a kid, I dreaded going to church. I really did. I, I can remember, not because anything else other than I was lazy and I just wanted to do other things, and I didn't see the importance in it as far as the, the gathering itself. You know, I was a believer, and I, I was told that Jesus died for us and that God created everything, and we need to be obedient to Him. But, you know, I can remember on Sunday mornings, you know, waking up and hoping that I didn't hear anybody wake upstairs just in case, you know, so that maybe I could go play golf or, or do something else besides go to church. But as I got older and especially as I got into the ministry and even more so when I got into uh, pastoral ministry as a senior pastor of a church, I started to see why it was so important, not just in the church's life, but in my own. You know, um, so before I go on, I do know that some of you are going to be listening and be like, Ben, why did you say the church? Why did you call the building the church or the place the church? Like, I know that the church is not the building. The church is the people of God, the, the, the body of believers. But for the sake of this discussion and, and for how most people understand it in a simple sense, I use that word to refer to our gathering together as a body, oftentimes on Sundays or Wednesdays, okay? Now, just so you kind of understand where I'm coming from, nowadays a person or persons or a family um, are considered to be regular attenders or regular attendees if they come to church two times a month, really, you know, that, that's, that's, that's where we're at right now. And you think about that two times a month, you're considered a regular attender at most churches. And so the, the reality is we come up with all sorts of excuses and reasons why we, we don't come or, or why we're not going to come. And, and some of them may seem valid to us and, or, you know, maybe sickness and that's understandable or something's happened in the family or you're going on vacation or we come up with all kinds of reasons and a lot of times those reasons are simply excuses because either we've been hurt by the church or we just don't see a reason. We don't feel like there's a place for us or it's boring or there's aspects of the of the gathering we don't like or people we don't like. And at the end of the day, we just don't see that it's something we have to do. And I think that's what, what the question is today is, you know, is this okay? Is it okay to just miss church repeatedly, regularly, just whenever we feel like it? And so I want us to look at what the Bible says, and let's see where this breakdown lies in how a lot of the body of Christ treat the gathering together. So the first thing I would say to you is this, that the word church in Scripture is the word ekklesia. That's the Greek word. The word ekklesia basically means a gathering or an assembly. So if you think about that, when you say that we're part of the church, as a Christian you are, you're baptized into the body of Christ, that the Holy Spirit puts you into the body of Christ, and that you are one body, so if you say, I'm part of the church, you, you're actually saying in the Greek, I'm part of the gathering or the assembly of believers. And so to claim that you're part of the assembly or the gathering of believers, but you don't gather, or you don't come, is a contradiction. 
right? It's a contradiction. As a matter of fact, in the, the early church, right after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell and 3,000 were added to the number that day, in Acts chapter 2, we see that the early church, they were devoted to, to a few things, but one of the things they were devoted to was, was the fellowship, the, the, the body together, the, the group of believers. And it said that they would go to the temple together and they would eat with one another every single day. So they would gather daily to do these things. Right, and so, so right out of the gate, if we say we're a Christian, which means we're part of the body of Christ, which means we're part of the church, by saying we're a Christian, it means we're part of the gathering. Therefore, we are supposed to gather. You know, second point for you is that the Bible actually tells us to not give up meeting together. This is in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so the writer here is telling us like, not to give up on meeting together because some people have done that, but rather we should do that even more as we see the day approaching of, of Jesus Christ's return to take us to be with him. So we're not supposed to give up meeting together. Third point is this. If you read the Bible and you don't think it's that important to gather together. And, and a lot of you, if you were listening to this, you're going to say, well, I do think it's important, but things come up. Then you're making those things more important than church, okay? More important than gathering together with believers. But just listen. If you don't think it's that important, much of the New Testament will not make sense to you, especially the letters of Paul, of Peter. Um, as you read through these James, etc. if you read through these letters, It's not going to make a lot of sense to you if you don't recognize that almost all of the instructions, all of the applications for much of the letters is in regards to gathering together. You know, for example, um, it doesn't make sense outside of the gathering, like elders and deacons, leaders, you know, instructions on corporate worship, on how you worship together, the idea of there being one body, the idea of church discipline, like those things don't make sense outside of a body of believers. You know, we take communion together on the first day of the week. Now, let me say that again. We take communion together on the first day of the week. That's that's biblical instruction, and we're supposed to do that. We listen to preaching together. We worship together. We learn together. We pray for one another. We lay hands on each other and pray for each other. Now, how can you lay hands on someone if you're not there? How can you How can you know exactly what's going on with somebody if you're not involved in their life? You know, and, and all these instructions, especially in 1 Corinthians, the instructions on worship and orderly worship are specifically in regards to the corporate body of believers, the, the actual body of all Christians in that particular area that gathered together. Because if you look at Paul's writings, almost all of his letters, minus a handful, are written to churches. So if he's writing to the church in Rome, in Romans, when they read that, that introduction to the church in Rome, to all the saints and believers, whatever exactly he says— when they read that out loud, there are people there in that community who say he's talking about us because they identify themselves as the Christians there who gather together and who can learn from the instructions he's given. Same thing with 1 Corinthians, the 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth, to Galatians, Ephesians, etc. He's writing these letters to a group of believers who gather together regularly. The fourth thing is this, and this hit me like a ton of bricks not too long ago when I was thinking about all this, is that we come up with all kinds of reasons not to go to church or, or to or we or we justify not coming to church. It may not be that we're like 
I don't want to go, but rather we have something else pressing that we want to be at, or we have something coming up that afternoon that we need to prepare for, and so we'll miss church so that we can prepare for a cookout or a family gathering or whatever it may be. But did you know, when you look through the New Testament, the people who missed the gathering, the people who um, didn't come to the gathering were oftentimes those who got punished. Because in the New Testament, one of the punishments for Christians who were caught in sin and who wouldn't repent from that sin, who were living a lifestyle that was outside of what Christian doctrine taught and Christian living should, should exemplify, if they would not repent from those things, they were punished and removed from the fellowship. So listen to a couple of these verses. 1 Corinthians 5.2 says, And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. This was someone who was in, who was in sin and Paul's here telling the church, you should have taken him out of your midst. You should have removed him from the group. But 1 Corinthians 5.13, it says, But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. This is still in the same discussion. He's saying, put the evil person away from you. Get them out of your fellowship in hopes that they will come back, that they'll repent and come back. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 14, again, Paul says, and if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. And so here's the thing. If, if we have these, these writings, we're about to read one from Jesus too. If we have these writings that are telling us that if there are people in the church who are sinful and they're unrepentant and, and are doing things that are not right, and that we are not supposed to fellowship with them, and that we're supposed to remove them out of the fellowship until they repent and come back, then we need to understand that being away from the church is supposed to be considered a punishment, not an option or a possibility, but rather you want to be with the other believers. You want to be with them because that's what Christians do. They gather because they are the gathering. So even, even Jesus points this out in Matthew 18 when he's talking about how to apply church discipline. If someone um, is, has sinned against you, you're supposed to go to them yourself, talk to them. If they repent, great. You've won back your brother. If they still won't listen, you take one or two people back with you as witnesses so it can be established. They still don't listen to you. This is what he says in Matthew 18, verse 17. He says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So here he is saying that if this person won't listen to you, won't listen to you and some and some other brothers and, and, and the Lord, then you need to bring them before the whole body of believers. And if they still won't listen, you need to treat them as though they are not part of the group, as though they are a Gentile or a tax collector, someone who's on the outside. Guys, why are we okay with participating in and doing things that in, in the biblical narrative are punishments for Christians, and yet we we willingly do it. We sometimes look forward to it, that we're going to get to take this day off or take that day off or, or we're going to schedule this event or whatever. We, we have downplayed the importance of gathering together, and yet now we are okay with participating in the very things that Christians were punishing other Christians with back then as a, as a means of accountability to bring them back to the Lord. Fifth point is this before I answer some objections, because I know you're probably listening to this and you're like, oh, I got some questions. You know, Christians in the New Testament are supposed to be under the charge and the lead of pastors, deacons, and elders. And so you cannot submit 
to a group of leaders unless you're consistently part of that group. Like you have to be part of that group because this is where accountability happens. This is where you serve. Uh, oftentimes with your gift and, and your talents is within this group. You collectively go out and serve the community. You, you learn within this group. You are held accountable within this group. You are shepherded by these leaders. You are served by these leaders. And so deacons and elders and pastors, they, they, can't, they can't know who they're supposed to uh, shepherd, what, who is of their flock, unless those people are committed to that particular flock, that, that particular congregation or that local body of believers. Because I understand there is one global church. There is one group of Christians we also know that there are localized bodies who are building their particular part of the wall, so to speak. And that's what we see all throughout Scripture. When Paul's writing to the Romans, he understands that they are part of the larger body of Christ, but he also understands that they are part of the Christian gathering that's just in Rome. And so we are also supposed to be part of a local gathering of believers. And if you're like, I just can't find a church that's right for me. I just can't find the, the place that I want to fit. Well, then the problem is probably more on your end than on the church's end, because you're never going to find a perfect place to worship because people are there, and we are imperfect. But instead of coming to a church saying, what can the church do for me? Does it have my favorite style of music? Does it have my the, the kind of preaching I like? Does it have this? You need to be asking yourself a couple of things. Are they preaching truth? Are they trying to love one another? And what do I have to give? In other words, am I coming to serve or am I coming to be served? Because if we're going to be like Christ, he specifically said he did not come to this world to be served, but to serve. And so we should also be coming to other believers with the same mind as that of Christ Jesus, making ourselves nothing and serving other people in front of ourselves. And so if you're having a problem finding a church, you need to evaluate your own motives and your own feelings, and you need to go back and serve where you can. Now, that's not to say all churches are perfect or they're not teaching sound doctrine, because if they're not teaching truth, stay away. But... If they are teaching truth, you know some of your other preferences may not be the necessity there. You you need to you need to go there looking for God. What do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? Okay, and when it comes to gathering in this group and being submissive to the leadership of the church, so that they can shepherd you and and lead you, you know it's it's important that you recognize that that TV preachers, live streaming preachers, YouTube preachers, podcasts like. Those are all those all can be beneficial and they can help you grow in your faith, but they cannot replace the gathering of believers. They cannot be used as a replacement for that. Oh, well, I watch online. I watch online. That's that's good enough. You know, I, I'll stay home and just watch it online today because you're missing out. Because you know as well as I do, if you're watching online, chances are you're getting distracted by other things, maybe something on your phone or something on TV or somebody at the house or you think, or you're doing some laundry or you're doing something else and your focus is not on the Lord. You're trying to check off a box so that you can feel good about having, having quote, gone to church, but you actually didn't. And, and believers didn't get, to, get, didn't get to see you, greet you, pray for you, hug you, shake your hand, uh, and vice versa. You didn't get to see them. And so it's, it's imperative that Christians go to church. So let, let's, let's deal with a couple of objection, objections real quick. And you may, when you listen to this, you may think of some more. And if you do, please shoot them my way. Um, so the natural reaction or the natural, natural objection that first comes up for people when, when we talk about something like this is, what if someone can't come to church? What if they are unable to come to church? And I, I totally understand that. You know, and so my first question I guess if we're talking about a hypothetical, 
my first question would be, why can't they come to church? What's what's the issue? Like, what's going on? Okay, um, because if it's if it's something that's just a particular personal issue, or um, it's medical, but it's not um, you know crippling in the sense that they can't do anything. So if if this person can still go to Walmart and go to ball games and do this that and the other, then they need to, they need to get to church. They're they're just milking that to not come to church, and they're and they're using it as an excuse. Um, and, and I do think that's that's going to be the case oftentimes is that people can. Now, I also understand people have struggles. They have bad days. And, you know, on bad days, it is what it is. And sometimes you just have to you have to deal with that and, and take some time with the Lord. And, and it would be no benefit to anybody to, for you to, to roll in, you know, just just struggling, right? But, but maybe it would. Maybe you need to come and get, get prayed for and get hands laid on you and anointed. You know, that's, that's an individual case. But... If you physically can't make it, if you physically can't do it, then here's my response to you. And it's, and it's really more of an encouragement to you is that, and, and a challenge to all the other believers out there is if you have people in your church who can't make it, then we need to start bringing the church to them. Unless they are super ill that, that they can't have visitors, then the church should go to them, sing with them, pray with them, have a devotional with them, do communion together in the house because where two or more are gathered, he is in the midst. And so, it is, it is really important that we recognize the gathering is super important. And it doesn't have to just be um, relegated to a building on a Sunday morning, but rather it can be wherever believers are in the sense of going to meet those who can't get there. And, uh, and that, that is a challenge that the church has to do better. And, I, and I, I say that as a pastor who knows that we have to do better at our, at our own congregation of reaching out to those who are shut in and who can't get there. And so my with the, this podcast is not to, to down or to make anyone feel bad who hasn't been coming to church. That's not the point, but rather we need to look at the Bible and see what's the rule, what's the norm, what's the teaching in Scripture, and then how do we accomplish that? Because at the end of the day, the teaching in Scripture is that Christians gather. That's the teaching. Now, sometimes they gather in others' homes. Sometimes they gather in the temple. And so we can take that truth and apply that into our own practice and our own worship so that if someone can't make it, we can go to them. And I think that's, that's vital that we begin to do that. So then that leads to another question. Someone might say, well, do I have to go to church? And we see this all throughout Scripture, people trying to um, justify the bare minimum. You know, the, the guy asking, well, who exactly is my neighbor? You know, what exactly do I have to do? Who exactly do I have to love? When we ask questions like, do I have to go to church? In order to be a Christian, do I have to go to church? I would say that if you are a Christian, you will go to church. Like we, we need to quit. Try, why are we asking? Why are we always trying to find an exception to the rule? Like why is that our, our knee jerk reaction is because we don't want to be held to a high standard because we're afraid we're going to mess it up. And so instead we try to create loopholes so that we don't feel bad about when we don't go or when we mess it up. But at the end of the day, we need to quit asking this question. Do I need to go to church? Do I have to go to church? Because I would say if you don't want to go to church, then then several things. If you don't want to go to church, then you probably don't understand Christ. You probably don't understand his church, and you probably don't understand the scriptures. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that to be observant. Because if we understand who the church actually is, which would include every single believer, and that the church is those who gather, and that every indication within the New Testament, the church gathered together regularly— then we need to understand that if we say we're a duck, we need to act like a duck and walk like a duck. If we say we're a, a chicken, we need to act like a chicken and walk like a chicken. 
if we say we're a Christian, we need to act like a Christian and walk like a Christian because 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in Christ, whoever claims to be a Christian must walk as he walked. Well, guess what Jesus did? He gathered together with people constantly. Now, did he have time alone to pray and to, to live his life and to be with his disciples and to be with his people? Yeah, he did. But it didn't, it, it didn't come at the cost or the expense of not gathering with others. So to be indifferent to the church, to be indifferent to going to church, means you don't understand it or its purpose. And so as Christians, gathering together isn't just recommended if you can. It's understood in the scriptures as something you do, and it's commanded. It's commanded that we don't give up meeting together. It's commanded that, or that, that we serve one another. It's commanded on how we worship together, and that implies that we are together when that happens. You know, you know, why do we always try to find this exception? We've got to quit doing that. We've got to ask, what does God say? What's his standard? And where am I at in regards to this standard, and how can I get there? God, help me. Bring somebody in my life to encourage me. And that for the days that I mess up and for the days that I can't do it, or if I physically am unable, God, give bring someone to me so that we can gather because it really is that important. Because, guys, Scripture just doesn't give any examples of believers who don't gather together. The New Testament is full of demonstrating what the church and who the church actually is. And it is believers who love each other, imperfectly, mind you, but they meet together eat together, serve together, fellowship together, study together, pray together, and they live life together. And so I'll leave you with this this, this today as you're listening to this, wherever you find yourself. We need to gather. It's what Christians do. And so let's quit asking the question of, do I need to go to church? But instead ask the question of, how can I serve in the church? How can I serve in this gathering of believers? Who can I pray for in the church? Who can I um, check on in the church? Who can I be a blessing to? Who can disciple me in the church? Who can I disciple? Because there's another point, guys. If you're going to be discipled, it has to be by somebody else or multiple people. And if you're going to disciple somebody, it has to be somebody other than yourself, which means you have to gather with someone else who is a believer. And so I want to encourage you today, find you a local church, Find you a local congregation of believers where you can serve, where you can learn. Now, you may go somewhere, and I know in this day and age there's a lot of woke churches who are teaching a whole lot of garbage, a whole lot of false teachings. And so if you hear somebody say something crazy or out of line or, or anti or against what the Bible teaches, then you need to get out of there. Okay? You need to get out of there and find you a church that's teaching sound doctrine. Now, you may not agree with every single thing a church teaches. That's going to happen because we're all growing, we're all learning. But you do need to find a church where you can grow where you can learn, where you can serve, where you can be held accountable, and where you can use your gifts to serve those around you and grow with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Guys, I hope this has been an encouragement to you today. And If you have any questions, any, any thoughts, any other objections or, or comments, please shoot them my way. I hope you subscribe to the channel, and uh, I'll be trying to get more podcasts out soon. I hope you have a great day, guys. God bless. Thank you for joining us again on What's the Breakdown. We'll see you next time.